Hello and welcome to the Jewish Mother Me podcast. This is the podcast that ponders Jewish mothers should every home have one. My name's Angela Epstein. I'm Lynn Dover. Naomi Lopian. And together over the journey of our podcasts, past and present, we wonder about the role of the Jewish mother as we look at the maternal wisdom that we've encountered from generations before and currently and see how it can inspire and uplift and help us get even greater joy out of life. And today... We are discussing, well, it's a sort of a broad as it's long, and yet people often focus this on one particular subject. And it's about the empty nest. But what we're doing is talking about feathering the preemptive nest, which is when you think that there is something on the horizon which has been such a seminal part of your life is going to inevitably change. Don't wait until that happens and then suddenly, well, what do I do now? The feathering starts way before that happens. Now, the obvious topic that comes to mind, wouldn't you say, ladies, is when children leave home. Appreciate, you know, not everybody has to deal with that, but but it is a sort of good example, isn't it? I mean, how did you feel when you're, Lynn, you've got four kids. How did you feel when they started to leave home? Were you ready with other hobbies and things? Well, I've always had lots of hobbies because I like to keep my hands busy and I can't bear wasting time as you might have heard in previous podcasts. So my children seem to be boomerangs a lot of the time. They go away and they return but on the whole when they disappear I I enjoy the fact that I've got more time and I like to take up my knitting, crocheting, art, cooking, all the other things just because it's very good for one's mental health and it's also very good at um, filling time because I think we um, or I tend to overthink things a bit. What do you mean you overthink things? Well I think if you've got too much time to ponder the stresses and strains of life it's not always that healthy. I think you're a classic example if you want something doing ask a busy person. That really irritates me. Okay why? Why? Anyone says ask a busy person it's kind of like shifting the jobs onto people who are busy and people who are not necessarily busy it's, it's just very irritating. Oh, good. We'll find more things to irritate you as the <laughs> podcast goes on. But, Noms, you're interesting because when your youngest daughter, Nina, left, you were like, oh, can you close the door behind you? Yes. <laughs> Tell us how you reconciled that. You, you didn't sort of curl up as some people understandably do when the house suddenly empties. No, maybe I'm really bizarre. And in part, I was ashamed. Of course, I'm sad when they go, but I wasn't sad as in bereft. Um, life is busy. And um, I enjoy the different rhythm. Our our girls, when they lived at home, the hours are totally different, makes me sound ancient. But believe me, listeners, I don't feel ancient one bit. I'm very lively and vibrant. But I still have a different rhythm to the girls. And so I was quite happy when they left because it's coming home at 11, 12 or 1 um, when they weren't studying. I didn't enjoy that. Or sleeping in all day when I've already done half a day's work and can't get to the room or different things so I'm happy and I was glad that also Danny and I it wasn't given that we were happy together once the children's left because like you say or maybe hinted at Angela Lynn that children do when we do have children take up a major part of one's life good and bad and we and a couple can often have different opinions about how to bring children up and thoughts and worries and ideas and and food and washing all of it and all of a sudden they're gone. But yes, I enjoyed it because like Lynn is, I, I have time to do 
what I what I want to do that bit more. I'm not constrained and and actually enjoy it. And but, less washing too. But Noemi, obviously you're you're a, a qualified doctor. I know you've you've chosen to go down different paths. You're a Holocaust educator, and you do lots of things. But you were doing a lot of these things, especially latterly, concurrently with the kids. And I'm wondering, both of you, what you think about this idea of when you know there is a milestone on the horizon, when you know that a part of your life that you've relied on as part of the scaffolding of your life. Now, we've talked about, obviously, uh, children leaving home, but also perhaps retirement is looming. Suddenly it's, oh, wow, even though you've had 40 years to prepare for that moment. So what I'm wondering is how do we anticipate it so that when it happens, it isn't a seismic moment? We don't suddenly think we're useless, we're lost, we have no identity. My mother-in-law always talks about when my husband, her youngest child, finally left home. She couldn't bear the prospect of the silence in the house, so she made sure that he left uh, I think he must have gone to, I think he came to Manchester, actually, he came to live in Manchester. She booked <laughs> a holiday uh, immediately as he left so that she didn't have to sort of shut the front door behind him, as he, wave him off down the path and then listen to the silence as yes. there's nobody in the house. And I think for some people that is quite difficult. Yes. Whereas when when the front door closes in my house and there's silence, I sort of do a little <laughs> dance around my hallway like thinking, yes, <laughs> but, lovely quiet. I mean, that, that, is a, that is an important thing. To, but that's a bridging tactic, which is completely understandable. Yeah. But then when you go over the bridge, the question is, um, I mean, because I've been pondering this for a long time. Certainly um, my, the youngest of my kids is, is 18 at the time of us recording and is hoping to go off on her year off. And, you know, people repeatedly say, and it's the same with the retirement question, because obviously we're not just talking about parenting. Well, what will you do? How will you manage? Well, how do you, do not you think, feel? Well, how well, do you feel, it's, Angela? Well, the, the first thing is, I've, I think I feel okay. But I do not find that people address the question as a kind of a negative or even mm. pejorative thing. They say, what will you do when you retire? What will you do when, um, or not even when you retire, when your husband retires and he's at home? So, uh, you know, you, you can play the scenario in your head, but you're never really going to know it until you're in it. So I'm wondering, do you think that the wise thing to do is to create the busy life while they're still part of, whoever it is, the retired husband, the child leaving home, while they're part of your busy life. I think that um, if you, you might not create the life before, but you certainly need to sort of have a vague game plan for when they leave. I think we've all got um, unfulfilled dreams, like learning a foreign language or an instrument. I used to do a pottery class and I really enjoyed that. So maybe I'd like to do that again. And all the people, other people in the pottery class that I did were much older than me. They were a group of retired teachers who were far busier in retirement than they ever were as working women. So Mm. that, that sort of... And they were all doing fabulous things. They were all doing all sorts of creative uh, classes. And I think it depends on your personality. But if you have a creative streak mm. that's been latent for a long time, bringing it out when you've got a bit more time is a fantastic prospect. And I look forward to that eventually. I think every human being needs a raison d'etre to get up. Whatever age we mm. are, we need to yes. be occupied, yes. don't we? So I feel that we need to have, like Lynn says, a plan at all ages, actually. So it doesn't even differ the only difference is as we perhaps approach retirement get older 
we do the shift that some people, perhaps in Lynn's case, she will officially retire from dentistry, do something totally different. In your case, Angela, journalism can go on and well, on and I'm on. A, yeah, you don't that's need the to thing. I'm, I'm a freelancer and I want, to, I want to do more and more. And I want, I don't know about you, because obviously, Noms, you had a, a very kind of absorbing career and then you gave it up to do other things. But you will have known and Lynn will have known, and I, I know too, is that when you are working, then you have less time to do other things is the obvious sort of equation. But there is a guilt. So I, one of the things that I think is a way of preparing the empty nest or the, the, diff, the change in circumstances is get used to feeling better about not coming in at four o'clock. You know, even though I've got an 18-year-old, I've tried to train myself to say, I don't need to be home at 4.30 anymore. I don't need that. Or I don't True. need um, I don't need to feel that way. Because I was talking to a friend recently and she said it took her about a year to realise she didn't need to be back home. How do we sort of strike the balance, do you think? Because I know, Lynn, for example, you've said there's a lot of things you, you want to do. You, mm. I suppose of the three of us, because Noemi and I are effectively freelance, you are the most restricted. But Noemi, you've sort of, you know, your kids have sort of, in a comical way, because you've done all this amazing Holocaust education work and lots of different projects, you've also had to deal with the being tussled in both ways. Was that one of the things you enjoyed when you no longer had to be accountable? Oh, definitely, definitely. To this day, I, I still think a major in tea time isn't as hectic because I had three under two and it was very, very hectic. And it was a dear friend of mine who was... Um, a few years older than me, who's, who reassured me that tea time is chaotic in every house with little ones. I thought I was the only abnormal one in the village. Um, and that was liberating. But now I feel great, yeah, on my mornings. I'm a morning person, so I'm not get up as early as Lynn, but about mm. half six, and I enjoy just reading the paper or listening to yes. the news and getting ready and having that calm rather than, and I still remember exactly, you're both nodding, the busyness of the house where the minute they would wake you up, my girls were up between four and five and I didn't have any thinking time. They'd bring me my glasses uh, before my feet touched the floor from the bed, getting out of bed and and the day began. So yeah, I love these Zen mornings where I can read first, orientate myself for half an hour to three quarters and then start It's wonderful as well in the summer when when the mornings are light to just wake up and that, that... quiet do you sort of think as you I don't know when you're thinking of obviously you've still got a, a, a busy career but are you the things and the interests that you have now is that because you're just an interested person or is it because you you want to make sure you can plug the gap because though your dentistry has been so much for so long I think there's an element of both of course if you, we've all got things that we all oh, I wish I had time to do that and I wish I had time to do this but I don't think you have to have creative ideas i mean you can be volunteering you can do um communal stuff or, or you could just spend longer with your family i mean your children may be getting older and moving away but then you've got we we thank goodness uh, some of us anyway have parents who who need um who will need us as well so as the cliche goes about the sandwich generation it's not always the fact that your children go and you have more time because other things other commitments can fill the, the gaps and then it becomes stressful in a different way. But one of the things I've noticed in terms of life-changing moments, people who have a parent in their life who, they may not even be ill, but it they are elderly and it absorbs a lot of their time. And it is a privilege. It is a great privilege. I know, however challenging it can be to be that person. 
I've also noticed that when people have finally, their circumstances have changed, they've not know what to do with themselves because they've been defined by the parent they've looked after. And isn't that the same sort of danger as the people that are defined by their kids? I think if you lose a parent, it's different from when your children leave home, obviously. Yes. But there it must be a huge amount of guilt that's attached to losing a parent. There may be less guilt when a child leaves home. So that itself is you know you you know you could have done more and all the rest of it i think if you that that might make things uh, slightly different and also the death of a parent may be rather sudden you won't be planning less i think a lot of us know our children are d- doing their gcses or a levels then they're going to go on gap years maybe or straight to university or go and get a job but we've known about that situation for 18 years but i'm talking about the people that make it almost their raison d'etre and is i'm asking really as the one who was in a position to be is it slightly bloodless to say i don't allow this to be my entire raison d'etre because the lack of self-preservation here means i'm going to be walking backwards towards a cliff i think yes definitely and i think anyway with life it's good to have a balance it's good not to be solely um the carer and not solely to have just your parent or your children's in or your spouses for that matter in your life it's not very healthy it's always good to have a balance so it's good to have the ego in it something for yourself Mm. the work or whatever you do enjoy or or need to do and and you know the ideal is is if you need to work is that you enjoy what you do um that's huge if you can manage that and then of course are your obligations and obligations are children who we love and parents who we love and yes, and when we no longer have these obligations, there's something empty. But if we can fill that with hobbies and loves that we like, hey, presto, bingo. And how much better if they're already part of our lives. What about when friends move away or people that you've relied on to be part of your lives and they've gone and you know it's coming? It could be somebody you're very close with at work. It could be a close personal friend. Again, and I remember, I'm going to go back to school now. Did you ever have the situation where, you know, you would be in twos at school with your best, best friend, and then somebody would leave because the father moved to a different whatever or the mother got another job, and they'd be lost because they'd invested entirely in that person and they became a lost person. Have you ever had the situation you've got to prepare for a person to no longer be in your life? How can you feather the preemptive nest in that respect? I think, again, it's about having small-scale dreams that are achievable. Obviously, you're not going to necessarily... Not everyone can climb Everest when they've got more free time, but they can definitely learn how to do some sewing or knitting. Or I know I go back to handicrafts all the time. That's just because it's my thing. But knitting's not the same as having that person in your life. I understand why you would say that. But, you know, if there was... like If, if you suddenly said we're going to live abroad, and I'd know it was coming, because I've had it with a couple of close friends, we as have, have you... Yes. And I've known it was coming and coming and coming. And I sort of tried to prepare myself. And yet you, you, can't, you can't, can you? No, you, no. Can't. you can't. You can't. Because that loss and that, that feeling is an emotion. So the intellect can tell you, I'll have other friends. And the intellect will tell you, I'll see them again. And I'll FaceTime them again. But the actual missing, that heartache, that emotion... You have to go through, unfortunately. It's a you healing can't. process like everything. Yeah. I think you have to be fairly rational and know that, you know, for the first however many longs, you'll think, oh, I'll just give them a call and they're not there or just pop in or I'll have a coffee with and they're not there. And eventually other people expand to fill the vacuum that's left behind. I had a grandmother who lost her husband. I think she was about 57, 58. He was a, a slightly older man and he died very suddenly and she was bereft. 
I mean, the whole anchor of her whole existence had been removed and she was cast adrift and never really got it back together again. It was very sad to watch and I was very aware of it even as a small child and she was she just had all sorts of issues and it was it was awful and and because she had not had any interests outside her own domestic uh, existence and he was the sole focus of her life she just was unable to deal with it properly and I think that's what we're talking about in future planning it's about putting in place things that you enjoy doing and your interests not even necessarily career-wise but just stuff that you enjoy doing for you it's it's almost we're almost like saying don't just have the one best friend or don't just Mm. have the yeah because there there's almost too career driven develop your outside interests yeah definitely but this but it's interesting isn't it because career has become a bit of a pejorative word or term for the older woman because it suggests that other things have been dropped in process but if young girls were listening to this and we hope they do they would say but that's what's going to define me that's what's going to be who I am and who I would you not say I mean your yeah. your girls if they heard us talking about they range in age from what from from 34 to 19 right okay so they probably the concept of loneliness is probably not thank yeah, god thank even god. on their radar true very true god. yeah they're busy thank god. and people. they're busy and they're busy building lives and and it shouldn't be really because it's a time where you i call where you're swimming and the sea the currents are coming from all sides which is all sorts of possibilities prospects and you're trying to navigate that it's your studies your social life um your careers um, so it's a very exciting time. It course, can also be a stressful time. And um, perhaps they do, our, this generation of, of our children do have a difficult time. Because when you look at, in, at social media, a lot of it, a large majority is glossy. The pictures are taken, it's, everything is glossy so and sunny. And there's a lot of pressure. And then, of course, if you do feel down, you have sites that tell you about down and there's also those sinister dark sides as well and that's also a danger so i don't think our young generation have an easy time i still always encourage them i'm old-fashioned i always say talk to people and talk to each other talking and meeting people is more than email um and i always say even prime ministers take the time when they're important decisions to be done to meet each other well, so that, much and, and that's why we all enjoy these sessions so much as well Sorry, that's true say, talking. because we are talking about subjects that we don't necessarily sit down with friends true. and family no. about so we are airing various ideas that we yeah. can sort of consolidate in our minds and think about that we feel safe doing yeah. because it's quite sort of talking from the heart so just to sort of to kind of wrap up from what we've talked about if if you were prepared to sort of reveal your the deepest fear, is it the fear? I mean, knowing me, is it is it the fear of loneliness? Is it the fear of not being fulfilled enough? Is it the fear of running out of something to say or being your own person? What would you say it was? Being on my own. So yeah, I couldn't be on my own. But it's and what about you? I don't mind being on my own, but I don't like being bored. So that's a different thing altogether. It is, and that's really fascinating because I think what both of you have said will resonate with a lot of people who perhaps well, not. What's you about yours? I'm both. Whatever the diplomat. No, but it's it's true because yeah. um, I would like to always feel that if I'm on my own, it's out of choice by design yeah. and not by default. 
I think it all the time. I think it when I see people in all sorts of situations where they've there's no one to greet them at the gate or they're at a wedding or they're, they're sitting having coffee by themselves and there's a group of girls at the next table for one reason or another. But also you want to feel fulfilled. You want to feel that you are not simply defined by other people. So it's a bit of a paradox. I think we all have elements of both within us both being loneliness and boredom the fear of both of those Mm. yes i think it just depends on where you're um how the equilibrium lies within your self so we always say at uh, at this stage of the of the podcast if you were to say if you were to give somebody a tip about feathering the preemptive nest whatever it doesn't we've, we've we've sort of chewed the fat over lots of different scenarios but the fundamental theme is you know it's going to happen to you at some point. How do you stop it hitting you like a ton of bricks so that you can emerge and still be the person you want to be? Consider things carefully. Don't let it just... You find it's tomorrow. If you know it's in three months' time, think about it um, carefully first and, and think about yourself as well because it, it, it as women who are of a certain age... And this is... We've got the further the first time for a very long time we were able to think about ourselves which hasn't happened for donkey's years for decades mm. because we've had so many other people to think about do you think sometimes though that be careful what you wish for though so you can have people who say i couldn't wait and couldn't wait to retire and then suddenly actually they miss it i think i think one of my biggest fears is you know is is that you you plan to do all sorts of things and then you don't get the opportunity to do them because circumstances take over and and it's just you have regrets for that from that point of view so Mm. that's quite a scary prospect but you've got to try and make sure you use every minute of of the time you're given yeah that sounds very morbid i'm sorry um i'm not i'm not as um i wish i was like that because often i feel that i can't use every minute of my time for whatever reason and i've allowed myself to say it's okay um not to always use um every minute and i think and and i reiterate what you say lynn is that just to think about feathering the nest is is the most important step and just sometimes go with the flow like what i say to young people just ride the waves of life and see what it throws at you sometimes you plan and the plans don't always happen, but it helps if you've thought about things. It really does help to think about that, even just so that you're not worrying. And what you, you haven't said, Angela, about what, how you feel about your kids and what your plans are. Well, the thing is that I'm a little bit of both of you, which in the sense is that we're doing this podcast, as I said, just as uh, our youngest is uh, planning her year off in, um, in several weeks' time. And like I said earlier, and the question is often framed in a slightly negative way. How are you going to manage? And people say that about lots of these game-changing things in our lives. Oh, you're going to, you know, Lynn, you're giving up one aspect of your work, for example, if you were. How are you going to manage? And obviously you come back like a rocket and say, well, actually, I'm going on a, you know, I'm going to be learning how to speak um, Spanish whilst learning how to... Have you any dreams? Um, I, would you like to work not, away more? I'm not professionally related, any other... I, I just want to be able to live a life with people that is fulfilled and doesn't have guilt. 
And I think that is one of the big things that that I would say if I was going to offer any kind of, for what it's worth, wisdom, is that try and plan the things that will take you on the path of least resistance, but also the path of least guilt. Not necessarily just about... Are you looking forward when um, your daughter uh, goes on her gap year to being free, though? To being able to book that holiday or or stay out till one in the morning or or work in London and stay working in London not rushing back do you know what I'm worried about um is that and I'm sure it's the same again like I said with the retirement people think they want it so much they're counting down the days on the calendar until they can tell the boss where to stick it and then there is an element of be careful what you wish for because you suddenly think to yourself actually I miss this more than I realise. And the brain has to has to open that little door where you put all those difficult times and said, yeah, but look at that time when you couldn't do this and you had to do but that. it's that revolting post-pandemic phrase of being a new normal. I yes. Mean, we've all got to adjust to yes. various new normals, but it, I, I hate that phrase, but it is... You get where it's coming from. Yeah, and, and I agree with you. And I think there is a balance to be struck between, well, how many holidays can you go on if you're fortunate enough to, you know, to be solvent enough to do it? Or how many times can you say, well, actually, I'm not coming home till 8 o'clock this evening because I don't need to be there at 4.30 to start thinking about supper. So I, I'm being a little bit of an ostrich and just seeing how it all shakes out, which is sort of counterintuitive here because we're saying feathering the nest. But actually, that's my way of feathering the nest. I know it's coming so I don't want to drop a single ball in my life and I've sort of been preparing for this ever since I can remember because I imagined even when I was knee-deep in kids there would be a time when I wouldn't be needed the way I was or would be needed differently and so I am trying to make sure that no balls are dropped so that I can do these things um, you know, Without feeling too guilty. Yeah. You have been listening to the Jewish Mother Me podcast. You can find us on all sorts of platforms. Yeah, on Instagram. Podcast, Spotify, Facebook. And by the way, our Facebook page is great for coming and sort of letting us know what you want us to talk about. If you've got ideas, you want to get in touch, leave a message and uh, we will never be too busy to get back to you, will we? (laughs) Even Lynn, even the click of her knitting needles will stop as she replies to (laughs) you. And we also want to say a big thank you to Phil Salter from Northern Air Productions, who makes this whole thing work. Without him, there would be no magic. So until next time. From me, Naomi. And from Lynn. And from us. Until next time. Bye.